Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back. I've got some education-related stories to bring up, per usual. Plenty of jab-related things as well. This continues to ramp up and sort of slide right into the old education field at the exact same time. And as I've said before, it's even becoming more public. And it's being televised in particular during sporting events, and I'm going to mention that as well. Uh, I also have a couple of good news things to bring up at the end, and certainly a history lesson also that sort of describes that we've been brainwashed. Shouldn't shock anybody who listens to this show, but uh, a nice history lesson throughout that pretty much proves that that's the case, and then again, an anonymous post describing how we are winning. And this is a good thing, but it's going to take time, and it's going to keep taking time. Okay. The first story was sent to me by a listener, and again, thank you for sending this my way. This comes from CNBC, which I think is telling. This is very telling. This is one of those things, again, that you've heard me say they're not going to be able to hide this. They aren't going to be able to hide or cover up the lack of enrollment within American schools, in particular colleges, because it's the college enrollment that is the most visible. In K-12 settings, they can hide, you know, uh, they're not walking around outside. You can't necessarily see them all day long, but colleges and universities, it's beyond evident because all you need is a pair of eyes and a brain and, and you can see what's going on. They're not showing up. So again, this is titled from CNBC, Universities are going to continue to suffer, quote-unquote. Some colleges struggle with enrollment declines under funding. This was from last Wednesday. Still relevant, and it's going to continue to be. Here are the key points before I read through this. Uh, It says, quote, enrollment declines and underfunding have hit the higher education system hard. Post-pandemic, a number of colleges are in financial jeopardy. Deep cuts in state funding for higher education have pushed more of the costs onto students and paved the way for significant tuition increases. It says the following, quote, Increasingly, high school students are rethinking the value of college with a growing number of them questioning the return on investment. Some have decided against a four-year degree. To be sure, Undergraduate enrollment was failing even before the pandemic, never was a pandemic, but remote learning, coupled with with sky-high cost of college, rather, triggered a nosedive. The number of undergraduates enrolled in colleges nationwide is now down 9.4% compared to two years ago, a loss of nearly 1.4 million students. Remember when I said if it hits 11%, or even goes up to 20%, they're finished. But I think I said 11%. We're almost there, if this is to be believed. We know it's high. We know that the enrollment has dropped dramatically, and visually so. But if it hits 11% or goes above 11%, it's game over. And I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, It continues. It says, those steep declines cause tuition revenue to fall putting some schools in financial jeopardy. A few have had to shut down entirely. Quote, I worry that 
the trend is going to continue because nobody is doing anything to improve affordability. Universities are going to continue to suffer, says whatever her name is, founder and president of the blank coaching in New York City. It says more colleges are struggling financially. The Lincoln College in Lincoln, Illinois closed at the end of the spring semester. I, of course, brought that up earlier. Uh, It says the San Francisco Art Institute closed after 150 years. Marymount California University in Rancho Palo Verdes uh, and Becker College in Worcester, Massachusetts also recently shut their doors, as have other institutions across the country. The number of colleges closing down in the past 10 years has quadrupled compared with the previous decade, according to a report in the Wall Street Journal. It then says, heading into the 2022-23 academic year, New Jersey City University declared a financial emergency. Quote, a national trend of declining enrollment for college-age students has resulted in a long-term erosion in the university's ability to operate, said Joseph Scott, chairman of the Jersey City, New Jersey Schools Board of Trustees in a statement. Then it says, funding cuts have created a crunch for smaller schools. At the same time, deep cuts in the state's funding for higher education have pushed more of the cost onto students and paved the way for significant tuition increases. Meanwhile, college costs are still rising. Tuition and fees plus room and board for a four-year private college averaged $55,800 in the 21-22 school year at four-year in-state public colleges it was 27,330 according to the college board the real issue is that the federal support for students and state support for students has been declining said barbara mistick president of the national association of independent colleges and universities quote it's inevitable there will be a crunch somewhere along the line not all schools struggling however in fact the country's most elite institutions are faring better than ever uh, and then it continues and continues. I'm going to end it there. Here's here's the issue with this, as you've heard me say. They're not addressing the real problem. They'll never address the real problem. It's not just about not getting money. It's about why aren't they getting money. And the excuse that they use, the old horse they consistently just beat to death, is that high school students are just choosing to not go to college because it's just too expensive. Why is it so expensive? It's, it's, a, it's just this constant ping-pong game of back and forth. It's more expensive because people aren't showing up. But people aren't showing up because it's, because it's not just expensive. That's not the only reason. It's because they've been abused. They've been lied to. They're sick, and they're dying from the shots. All of this is connected. And eventually, the ping pong ball is just going to rattle on one side of the table until it stops or falls off the table. You can't keep this back and forth going of this giant lie and say, well, it's just too expensive. We need to lower the cost of school. You can't do that. You can't lower the cost with no one showing up. It's inevitable you have to raise the cost. They're doing themselves in. I love it. I personally love it. You've heard me say this a thousand times. They're doing themselves in. They don't know what to do to stop it. And I'm certain, again, that the emails that these presidents and uh, deans and and whatever else, provosts, you name it, are receiving are all jab-related. 
We're not coming to your university because you're forcing the jab on us. We're not coming to you to, to your college because you didn't accept our, our medical or religious exemption because we don't want to take the shots. And then I guarantee too that parents who are making these emails are making specific digs on these monsters that run these institutions. And they're saying, look what you did in 2020 and 2021 and now 2022 moving forward. You forced all of this. We don't trust you. We have, we have a son or a daughter or a niece or a nephew or a grandchild who has been hurt as a result of these shots. And you were the ones that told them that they couldn't attend unless they took them. Well, now they're sick, handicapped, and or dead. So we blame you. Ladies and gentlemen, they're getting those emails. Universities know what they're doing. Just like I, I, you know, when I've brought up the uh, insurance companies, the insurance companies know at the very top that the premiums are increasing among, among the jabbed. They know that. And they're trying to, of course, profit from that. Universities are in the same boat, only they're on the losing end of this one in the more immediate term, so to speak. In the short term, they're, 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 they're losing quickly. And like I said, you can see this visually with your own eyes. Travel to a college university campus, drive around. It looks like a ghost town. For the most part, it looks like a complete ghost town. And it almost doesn't matter what campus it is. There is a visual decline in enrollment. You cannot kill your customers with your policy and expect them to come back. You just can't. And you can't kill your customers who are related to the financiers, i.e. the parents, and expect the parents to consistently fund your operation. That's not going to happen either. So as long as they keep these jabs uh, mandated and, and required for people to show up and they do whatever they have to do, like you've, you know, like I'm sure you've heard and I've brought it up, and so is Fauci himself, that monster, but they're trying to normalize this just like a flu shot, which is poison on its own, but they're trying to normalize the regiment of, of these shots. Again, Fauci was on, just sidebar very quickly here before I get into some other education-related things, but Fauci was on Stephen Colbert this past week, last week. It was an absolute abomination. I recommend getting on YouTube and, and watching the whole thing. It was about seven, eight minutes long plus. Uh, he was asked point blank about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, and Fauci, without stuttering, looked Colbert right in the face and said, it doesn't work. I mean, he just said the word no. Colbert looked at him, and Colbert's a monster too, and a propagandist and allegedly a pedophile, but he looked right at him, and he said, uh, Ivermectin hydroxychloroquine, I'm asking for a friend, uh, what do you think? And he just said, no. Doesn't work and it could hurt you, is what he said. Again, you know, I could bring up old quotes of him talking about hydroxychloroquine, Fauci talking about it and calling it a miracle drug, which he has said in the past. Back in 2007, if memory serves. He's a psychopath. And these people are psychopaths. And the people that are again, running these colleges and universities are taking their advice from psychopaths and then pushing it forth, just blindly trusting the science. 
you, you can't do that for very long and expect to remain in business. So it is collapsing. It's good news. This is a good thing. It's going to force people again to consistently look inward, which is what they need to do to find other alternatives to educate their children, like online education or trade school where they're not forcing the jabs and they're actually teaching real things, going into business for yourself, and so on and so on. I love it. I mean, it's sad that it's coming at the expense of the unknowing and that it's coming at the expense of of many of the brainwashed and very young people who have no idea what they're doing, but it's war. And, and this is part of that collateral damage. And it's, again, it's unfortunate, but it is happening. Okay, here's the next thing. Uh, this, is, this is incredible. I, f- I find this one incredible. It's more proof that the left just does not learn. They don't learn. You know, they use TikTok, they use social media. And I remember a number of years ago when I wasn't on social media, which was basically every day before January of 2021, because I was, again, never on it before that. Uh, It just continued to shock me that endless school employees would use TikTok, Facebook, Twitter to put all of their personal opinions out there as employees of an institution of some kind and not think for a minute that there would be repercussions to that, that there would be consequences and that they might actually lose their jobs or just expose themselves as being who they really are. Uh, They still don't learn is the point, and this will prove it. I guarantee it. And I'm going to read this whole thing because it's hilarious. This comes from National File, and it is titled, Is That a Threat? High school principal is, quote-unquote, pulling up on any white person who says they're not racist. It says an assistant principal at Pencrest High School also said that anyone who voted for Trump is complicit in upholding white supremacy. I love it. Samuel Evans, an assistant principal at Pencrest High School in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, tweeted that he would pull up, quote-unquote, on any white person who denies that they are inherently racist. In another tweet, The assistant principal claimed that Trump voters are complicit in upholding white supremacy. The Rose Tree Media School District, where Evans is employed, although not for long, vows to cultivate a socially just and anti-racist school community as part of its inclusivity and belonging goals. This person's crazy, and you're going to hear their tweets. Said in one tweet, Evans threatened to pull up if he heard another white male or white person say that they are not racist. Quote, if I hear another white male or white person say they're not racist or white privilege isn't real, I am asking for your location so we can talk. Exclamation point, unquote. Evans wrote, followed by the hashtags, uh, yep, I'm pulling up and Black Lives Matter. And there's his tweet. Apparently, he also said, quote, Dear white people, saying that you don't have a racist bone in your body means nothing to black people. What we black people want to hear and see is that you are anti-racist and you are committed to an anti-racist lifestyle. Evans wrote in another tweet with the same theme. Let me read a few more of this loser's tweets. 
Oh, and he has two master's degrees, by the way. I should have emphasized that. Uh, Very hilarious. He, of course, puts it at the end of his name. He has a master's in education and a master's in science in education, and he wears a bow tie. Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard me say this before a long time ago. I don't trust people who wear bow ties. Never have. A bow tie is a trick. You know, wearing a bow tie with a tuxedo, acceptable. That's probably the only time it's acceptable. Somebody's wearing a bow tie with a regular suit or a corduroy jacket or something, they're trying to pull one over on you. They're trying to make it look like they're smarter than they actually are. And this guy proves my point because his profile picture is him sitting at a desk and wearing a bow tie. I digress. It says the following his tweet, it says, quote, from now on and no matter where I am or at what or where I am at, well, he can't write either, or where the repercussions are, I am holding every white person accountable when it comes to this nonsense. If you don't like it, please delete. And then he links an Instagram post, apparently. It then says, quote, here's another one, another one of his tweets. This guy's a winner. He's a winner. It says, it's past time for black and brown children to force community leaders to dismantle and abolish white education institutions that aren't committed to full to the full liberation of our children. Uh, this guy's kind of a pedophile, too, it sounds like. He said he also stated that people who voted for Donald Trump are complicit in upholding white supremacy. His tweet said, quote, Trump did two things in the presidential debate last night. He preserved white supremacy and the myth of white superiority. On national TV, he put a condition on his condemnation of white supremacy, and if you decide to vote for him, you're complicit in his words and behavior. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an administrator of a school building. They have no business doing this. But he doesn't care, because the left doesn't care. They're deranged. They're becoming more and more brazen with their behavior. Here's another one. It says, quote, The ignorance I see and have to deal with in my school district is mind-boggling. It's crazy how people use covert tactics to protect white supremacy and promote their anti-black rhetoric. Hashtag this is America, hashtag, to be black in America. (laughs) This guy's not going to make it. He's not going to make it. Uh, Let's see. It says, quote, One media resident who asked to remain anonymous told National File that leftist political ideology is very much a part of the district's curriculum. Quote, the school board is compromised entirely of Democrats, nine of them. The superintendent, assistant superintendent, the director of safe and inclusive schools, and many other administrators and teachers are leftists. They put all of their time and energy into propagandizing our children with their political worldview instead of teaching them reading, writing, and arithmetic, the parent said. Quote, they've squandered hundreds of thousands of taxpayer dollars creating useless administrator positions and indoctrinating our teachers into social-emotional learning and trauma-informed pedagogy. Again, that trauma-informed pedagogy is a big deal, and it ties directly into what Amazing Polly again said on her most recent video. I highly recommend checking that out again. 
It's on her BitChute page. It's also on Rumble. Definitely check that out. Uh, they purposely create confusion and trauma so that they can then groom them and manipulate children. But it goes further than that beyond just children. You can groom and manipulate teachers themselves and, of course, parents by exposing them to trauma that they ultimately believe. Just like all the fake pandemic stuff, all the shutdowns in 2020, every, every single example that's been brought up here that you've heard, read, and seen on your own time also. Same thing. If you create a population and a state of victims, then they will believe they are victims and then live in that fake victimhood forever, for the rest of their lives. And then they will, of course, do things to themselves to alleviate that victimhood, basically. But what they don't understand is, is that the things that they're doing to themselves to alleviate that victimhood are remarkably harmful, like the shots, for example, and all of the virtue signaling that we saw with the shots. Well, the same thing, of course, happens with the flu shots and the mask wearing and all of it. You know, I did a thing. I did a good thing. I helped myself and the people around me. Whoops, I'm dead. Guess I didn't help myself and the people around me anymore. That right there, again, that's the manipulation. And it's again, it's not just happening with children, because if you can manipulate the people who are responsible for children, then you have society by the balls. Then you've got everybody, except for us, of course, because, well, we've learned. And there's a compliment at the end of this uh, episode, by the way, also, or toward the end, that is going to, again, lead into a string of, of positive things. But there was apparently a German general who has complimented all of us unjabbed purebloods. And I'm going to read that compliment in a little bit. But this right here, another example of how you brainwash the people around you, the children around you. And then everybody's the victim, which means, again, when government says jump, you say how high. Thank you, sir. May I have another? It's a never-ending cycle of abuse, but they have no idea what they're doing. Okay, that's the education-related stuff. Let me get into this, too, because this just happened over the weekend also. Mike Hart, Michigan's assistant coach for their football team, who is apparently their running backs coach. And I remember Mike Hart back in the day playing football. He's 36 years old. Uh, I assume pretty healthy guy, but ladies and gentlemen, he's jabbed. The guy's got to be jabbed. So this comes from lots of different outlets, of course, but this one is just from the Gateway Pundit, titled Breaking, Michigan Assistant Coach Mike Hart carted off a of field after suffering a medical emergency. And there's a video that goes along with it. I'm going to play the audio from the video. Of course, there's nothing to see, but you'll hear again the announcers just casually talking about it. People standing around with their hands on their hips. Because I love the observational stuff in all of this. Again, you're, you're, watching, you're watching sheep in the matrix not know what's going on, and yet it's right in front of them. See, it would almost. Uh, this is terrible. It's terrible to think, but I'm wondering if waking these people up 
would would actually take, for example, during a live football game, not one not one coach falling to the ground, grabbing their chest and falling to the ground, which of course is what happened in Mike Hart's case. But what if it was three of them at the exact same time falling to the ground and grabbing and grabbing their chests? Or not even being able to move. I mean, is it going to take three people at a time for people to say, well, that's strange. Why did three people just fall over at the exact same time? I mean, what if it's four or five people at the exact same time? Because they're not, they don't seem to be making the connections when it's just one person. Well, maybe they, you know, they just had a medical episode and sometimes people just have med- medical episodes. They can easily, you know, get out from underneath that. That's an easy excuse for them. Well, you know, on to the game, back to the game. First and 10 from the 20-yard line, and then they're back at it. I mean, again, it's, it's, <laughs> it's gotten to the point where it's almost going to have to take multiple people falling simultaneously in order for people to understand what is going on here. Because we can't expect these announcers to actually say it. Uh, let's see, during the football game between Michigan and Indiana, collapsed on the sideline and had to be carted off the field. Okay, I'm going to play a little bit of this audio, and then there's something interesting that happens when he's being carted off the field. So go ahead and give this a quick little listen. Again, it's not a ton to listen to, but uh, I'm just going to play a little bit of it just to kind of give you a sense as to the tone of the actual announcers and what it is that they're actually saying and how they sound. Quarter and there is an injured Michigan coach on the field or on the sideline. We're not sure who it is. It's scary seeing the entire team gather around. Now most of the Michigan players have taken a knee off to the side. Very scary scene. This was during the commercial break after the Indiana touchdown and some commotion on the Michigan sideline. And obviously, hoping for the best here. We have been unable to identify the injured coach. Let's look at this from a numbers standpoint and a sociological standpoint. There is absolutely no way that you have all of these college players who again we assume are college students <laughs> i use that word loosely sometimes when it comes to student athletes in particular football and basketball players but whatever uh they're there they're playing a sport and they're attending school there's no way that they're all there that close to one another taking a knee with time off now as they're watching an injured person with everything that's been going on and they know all about Kyrie Irving and Aaron Rodgers and the Joe Rogan appearances and so on and so forth there's no way that they don't know about all of that there's no way that they're all taking a knee next to each other and not communicating with one another and talking about how it's probably the shots, it's probably heart-related. There's no way. It, it, it is quite literally mathematically impossible 
Are there people there that don't know? Yes. But are there people there who do know who are still playing the game? Yes. In fact, in the clip itself, when it shows the sideline, the Indiana sideline rather, and they're and they're taking a knee. One of them, who is thinner, looks over at the bigger lineman and says something to him, like, what is you know, what is this all about? Whatever. And he says something or he asks something to the bigger guy. His bigger teammate quite literally takes his right hand and taps his fingers on his chest, right in the center of his chest, just like a few times, and then puts his hand down. Almost as if he's saying, you know, it's heart-related or something's going on up here, again, maybe because of the shots, whatever. It's possible that that's not the conversation that they were having. My only point is, it's impossible that the conversation isn't happening. Something like this happens on the field, on TV, it's being broadcast. It's inevitable that the shot recipients who are playing the game are talking about what's going on. Yes, it's unfortunate that it's taking them this long to put the things, you know, to piece things together. This, of course, has been going on for a very, very long time, but it's happening. And this is happening again right in front of us. And it's happening, of course, in front of them. They're, they're being backed into a corner where they're going to have to ask questions. And they're going to have to look in the mirror and decide what they themselves have actually done. I'm going to continue with this audio here for just a little bit and then mention what I observe here toward the end as they're carting him off the field. Here we go. Mike Hart, the former Michigan running back, who is the running backs coach here at Michigan. Former Indiana running backs coach, Mike Hart. Spent a lot of time here in Bloomington. Two of the guys that were closest during that entire sequence were Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, of course, his players. There's Mike, and obviously hoping and praying for him. Not sure what happened. Okay, we, we know what happened. We know exactly what happened. Here's the deal, and that's the end of the audio. There's really nothing else to play. I mean, they cart him off the field, and then, you know, again, first and 10 at the 20-yard line. Okay. When they're carting him off the field, and first of all, he doesn't stand up. On the sidelines, he does not stand up. They roll him over onto a gurney. They lift up the platform, and then they put him on the golf cart, and then they're taking him away. When they're driving away, there's a woman, of course, part of the medical staff, walking next to him, and she has his hands. He's tied to the rig, of course, but she ha- and he's alive and moving around and, and talking and whatever. Nothing on his face, no oxygen, none of that. He has his hands on his chest, and he starts to do the old, you know, thumb in the air, hand in the air, I'm okay with his, with his left hand. She immediately grabs his hand and puts it down, and she shakes her head, And again, you can see her, and she's saying something like this. She's saying, no, don't do that. It's okay. You need to relax. You need to just relax. And then you can see his head drop back, and then he completely relaxes. 
if it were anything else other than a heart issue or a stroke or something, he'd be allowed to lift his hand and give the old thumbs up, I'm okay. So it's either heart or neurological in some form or fashion, without a doubt. There's no doubt about it. And again, it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure this one out. This is shot-related. Again, you've heard me say this a gazillion times, that we're going to keep seeing this in front of our own faces on the sidelines all the time. The question that I consistently have is, is this one made the news rounds, in particular on Gateway Pundit, and it, you know, it would in a couple other areas also, I'm sure. Again, I don't watch ESPN, but I'm sure it made that. Uh, I know Rich Eisen is a former, uh, you know, he's a, he's a current sports guy. I hear he's a complete jerk, but, uh, in real life, but, uh, he's a sports guy, Michigan fan graduated from Michigan. I'm sure he'll bring it up on his show and just gloss over it. Like, uh, it's not that big a deal. Uh, again, it can't be more obvious what this is, is my whole point. And, and what concerns me, which is what I was going to say earlier is that how often is this really happening on the sidelines of, of football games or even on the actual field, and yet we aren't seeing the footage? That's, that's the more alarming part, I think. What are they hiding from us? But I continue to be shocked that, uh, that people don't seem to understand what's going on here. But like I said, we can't expect them to admit it because an admission of it, well, then the dam breaks. Here's another one. Again, politicians. Apparently, they aren't making the connections either. Although they probably are, they just don't want to admit it because, again, the dam will break. This comes from Citizen Free Press. It's titled, 17-Year-Old Daughter of Congressman Dies of Heart Attack. This was just from the other day. Uh, Representative Sean Kasten it says, quote, a statement from the Caston family. Quote, this past June, our daughter, Gwen Caston, died of a sudden cardiac arrhythmia. In layman's terms, she was fine, and then her heart stopped. Quote, we don't know what caused the arrhythmia and likely never will. We know what caused it. It says, quote, Gwen was a healthy tw uh, 2022 teenager. She ate well, exercised, got regular checkups, didn't suffer from any behavioral health issues, and had close relationships with family and friends. She was fully vaccinated and quarantined after occasional positive, asymptomatic COVID tests during the Omicron wave. She had just come home from an evening with friends, went to bed, and didn't wake up. The congressman actually said all of that in their statement. It's, it continues here with the statement. It says, quote, We are heartbroken, but we are not unique. Sudden, unexplained heart failure among young, healthy people is rare but real. We are left grasping at the wrong end of random chance. No. No. None of that was true. That entire sentence is false. It continued, it said, We are grateful for the outpouring of love we've received over these past months. We've cried again over each of our letters, of your letters rather, messages, meals, and flowers, but they are appreciated. 
We are grateful for the donations and blah, 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 17 years old. She had a big, beautiful, kind, loving heart, and it stopped as all must. He actually said that too. He's normalizing the death of his daughter, who was healthy and at least double jabbed. Honest to God, ladies and gentlemen, you know, uh, this is the victimhood thing. This is part of the victimhood status that exists with the entire illusion and delusion of the medical industry. You know, I, I saw another video again from, from a woman who, uh, I believe she has a PhD in holistic medicine, if I'm not mistaken, I could have that wrong. In fact, her, her name has slipped my mind, but she's recognizable. She was on a TikTok video talking about the victim status, again, associated with fake illness. And when you hear people say, well, I caught something. I caught it from somebody else. I caught this thing, this illness, this virus, this germ, which are all fake. I caught all of this from someone else. What that does is, of course, is it puts the blame on someone else and removes all personal responsibility from the individual for why they really became diseased. They became diseased because of poison that they themselves put in their own body with regularity. This 17 year old died from the shots. But as far as the parents are concerned, publicly anyway, in their public statements, they have to play the victim. Well, this is rare and it happens, and it's terrible that it happens, but it happens, and we're at a loss for words, and she was double jabbed at least, and we don't know what happened. So we're the victims, we're the victims, she was the victim, we're all the unknowing victims, we'll never get answers, and good night, everybody. And then that's it. There are always answers to why things happen. It's the people who don't seek the answers that are the problem. They're the ones, again, that are virtue signaling and playing the victim and blaming other people falsely because they believe things that are not real. It's astounding. And it's not going to go away because we know of, again, the congressman is a perfect example. Endless people are in that exact scenario and they aren't linking the dots. They aren't connecting the dots. They aren't figuring it out. And, and again, many of them aren't going to. An entire family can be wiped out. Parents, children, the whole thing. They're not going to connect the dots. Well, it's unfortunate, but uh, you know, every now and again, a whole family just gets wiped out from heart attacks. It's very common. It's rare, but it's, you know, it happens. No, it doesn't. Ridiculous. Uh, moving on, here is something that does happen, though, and it's tied into something I've brought up in the past, too, in particular, how the old jabs uh, are causing cognitive decline among individuals, so much so that dementia and even schizophrenia are intentional side effects. This comes from the Los Angeles Times, and it's titled, Missing Chatworth Woman May Have COVID-Related Psychosis, Family Says. This is the missing persons report on a Hayden Wilson, age 23, female, black, black hair, white braids, brown eyes, 5'8", 140 pounds. Last seen in the area of the Devonshire Street and Vaughn's Market on September 29th and is apparently missing. Friends and family, it says, of the 23-year-old Chatsworth woman who went missing last week 
are spreading the word about her sudden disappearance, which they worry is related to mental health struggles after a COVID-19 diagnosis. Again, is she jabbed? It says, quote, recent research has led to better understanding of COVID-19's lingering effects on the brain. Now, of course, they're blaming this on some illness, not the shots. Which means if the Los Angeles Times is saying that, the opposite is true. It's probably the shots. It says, as the pandemic spread, some patients began reporting a host of cognitive and psychiatric issues, such as memory lapses. Well. That's a little different than than losing one's mind completely. It says a smaller number of developed even uh, developed even more severe symptoms. Experts say, including paranoia, hallucinations, and psychosis. Well, what about the shots? Were they jabbed? Because that's that's happening. That's a thing. Okay. Here's another one. This is a peer-reviewed journal article from, I believe, let me see the date here, two months ago. This was published in uh, August, and it is titled, and by the way, again, this is a good thing in the sense that it's reaching these journals, as you've heard me say, albeit slowly, but it's still reaching them and reaching some rather larger ones as well as time is moving on here. This is from the Journal of International Journal of Vaccine Theory practice, and research. Uh, Volume 2, number 2. It is titled, Dark Field Microscopic Analysis of the Blood of 1,006 Symptomatic Persons After Anti-COVID MRNA Injections from the Pfizer-BioNTech or Moderna. And here's the abstract. It says, quote, The use of dark field microscopic analysis of fresh peripheral blood on a slide was once widespread in medicine, allowing a first and immediate assessment of the state of health of the corpuscular components of the blood. In the present study, we analyzed with a dark field optical microscope the peripheral blood drop from 1,006 symptomatic subjects after inoculation with an mRNA injection, Pfizer, BioNTech, or Moderna, starting from March of 2021. It says, quote, There were 948 subjects, or 94% of the total sample, whose blood showed aggregation of erythrocytes, if I'm saying that right, doesn't sound good, and the presence of particles of various shapes and sizes of unclear origin one month after the mRNA inoculation. In 12 subjects, blood was examined with the same method before vaccination, showing a perfectly normal hematological distribution. The alterations found after the inoculation of the mRNA injections further reinforced the suspicion that the modifications were due to the so-called vaccines, quote-unquote, themselves. They even put the word vaccines in quotes. I love it, because that means the authors know that it's not a vaccine. They know it's a bioweapon. It finishes and says, quote, we report four clinical cases chosen as representative of the entire case series. Further studies are needed to define the exact nature of the particles found in the blood and to identify possible solutions to the problems they are evidently causing, unquote. 
Summary, 94% of the people who took these jabs just in their sample size of just 1,006 people have abnormal blood now. It's just, it's just a snowball. This is a giant snowball that just keeps getting kicked down a hill, and it's getting bigger and bigger. Fortunately, however, there are people who recognize that there are individuals like us who know what's going on and have known what's going on and did know what was going on as it was happening. And uh, behaviorally speaking, there are many of them that are speaking out and basically congratulating us, not that we need it, but they're congratulating us and saying these individuals who resisted all of this, the masks, the jabs, the tyranny, you name it, that uh, when it comes to civilization, we, we, are, we are the ones who are going to survive. We are the ones who recognize psychological torture when it's actually happening. And yeah, kudos to us. I wanted to read this. I wanted to end then with a history lesson on brainwashing again. And then I have an anonymous, uh, anonymous post rather that uh, proves we're winning. From a historic standpoint, I believe, and I, I agree with it. Good news, I believe, also. Okay, so this comes from the rarefoundation.com, and it is titled, French General Pays Tribute to the Unvaccinated. Quote, they embody the best of humanity. They are superheroes. It says the following. In a powerful letter making waves across Europe, French General Christian Blachon I'm saying that right, praised citizens who refused the experimental COVID vaccines injections. Despite years of pressure campaigns, discriminatory policies, social exclusion, loss of income, threats, and being blamed for others' deaths, the general thanked the unvaccinated for their strength, courage, and leadership. He said the following, quote, if I, were, if I were fully vaccinated, I would admire the unvaccinated for standing up to the greatest pressure I have ever seen, including from spouses, parents, children, friends, colleagues, and doctors. People who have been capable of such personality, courage, and such critical ability undoubtedly embody the best of humanity. They are found everywhere in all ages, levels of education, countries, and opinions. They are of a particular kind. These are the soldiers that any army of light wishes to have in its ranks. They are the parents that every child wishes to have and the children that every parent dreams of having. They are beings above the average of their societies. They are the essence of the peoples who have built all cultures and conquered horizons. They are there by your side. They seem normal, but they are all superheroes. They did what others could not do. They were the tree that withstood the hurricane of insults, discrimination, and social exclusion. And they did it because they thought they were alone and believed they were alone. Not necessarily, but I get what he's saying. Uh, he continued, and said, excluded from their families' Christmas tables, they have never seen anything so cruel. They lost their jobs, let their careers sink, and had no more money. But they didn't care. 
They suffered immeasurable discrimination, denunciations, betrayals, and humiliation, but they continued. Never before in humanity has there been such a casting. We now know who the resistors are on planet Earth. Women, men, old, young, rich, poor, of all races and all religions, the unvaccinated, the chosen ones of the invisible ark, the only ones who managed to resist when everything fell apart, collapsed. You've passed an unimaginable test that many of the toughest Marines, commandos, Green Berets, astronauts, well, whatever, astronauts, that's funny, and geniuses couldn't pass. You are made of the stuff of the greatest that ever lived, those heroes born among ordinary men who shine in the dark, unquote. I completely agree. I totally agree. I appreciate the compliment. I hope everybody who heard that appreciates the compliment. He's complimenting you, as, as we should, I suppose. We don't need it, but uh, we're not alone. And we knew we weren't alone in this regard. I think the most depressing part was how many people fell for it. That was, that was difficult for all of us to watch. That was a level of abuse, and it continues to be, I should say, a level of abuse that, can, that is just awful for all of us to watch. You know, you want to walk up to a person wearing a mask and say, you wearing that pisses me off, because it shows that you don't know what the hell you're doing. And that bothers me. And that, of course, you're brainwashed. And you're trying to brainwash me, and I don't like it. Which actually leads me to this. Nice little history lesson, I think. Uh, nice little thread here that someone put together. Don't know who did it, but it's well done. And I wanted to read it here. And it is titled, Are You Brainwashed? It says the following. Again, awesome history lesson here, too. Quote, the 1959 novel, The Manchurian Candidate, lays out an excellent illustration for us. The communists had developed an advanced brainwashing program and were able to create sleeper agents out of a captured, out of captured soldiers. It says these agents could be reactivated through simply seeing or hearing a post-hypnotic trigger, quote-unquote, in this case, seeing a certain playing card or hearing a suggestion to play a certain game. It says these post-hypnotic triggers were created through extensive brainwashing and when activated would result in involuntary behaviors. So let's use this blueprint to find out if we have any post-hypnotic triggers buried in our psyche that result in involuntary behaviors or emotions. We'll do this through a few simple tests that question specific historical events or scientific facts through direct, pointed statements that are meant to provoke any post-hypnotic responses. These statements are meant to be outrageous, disturbing, and challenging, and will bounce around a bit. They may or may not be true statements, but for the sake of this test, you must entertain that possibility. This test is primarily meant for people living in the Western world. Remember to pay close attention to your emotions and watch for any reaction that is different or heightened. Are you ready? Here we go. It says, quote, It is not widely known that the numbers of Civil War dead were often exaggerated in order to create more support for the war in the North. For instance, the Battle of Gettysburg is popularly said 
to have incurred over 23,000 casualties, but the real number may have been less than half of that at around 10,000. It then says the history books say that the attack on Pearl Harbor resulted in 2,335 people killed and 1,143 people wounded, but the numbers may have been substantially lower as it has come to light that the U.S. government decided to inflate the numbers in the press in order to garner more support for the war effort. It then says, arguably, the worst mistake in history of the Western world, the African slave trade, is said to have enslaved almost 4 million people at its height in 1860. However, recent studies have estimated it may have only been half that number, although that's still 2 million too many. It then says the RMS Titanic sank on the 5th of April, 1912. The newspapers of the day reported between 1,490 and 1,635 deaths. However, as newspapers do, they published the highest numbers they could in order to sell more copies due to the sensationalism. The actual numbers may have been well under 1,000. It then says there are people who believe that birds are all holograms and are projected to make us think that they still exist. This is done because they all died out years ago and the government doesn't want us to panic. Another one says there are also people who believe that the moon is a holographic projection for some reason. It then says, between 1941 and 1945, Nazi Germany ran internment camps in its occupied territories. Six million Jews are said to have died during this time in an intentional extermination campaign. However, the numbers were greatly exaggerated in order to gain sympathy and political power in the West. The actual dead may have been less than 300,000 and most due to sickness. It then ends by saying the following, quote, If you are an average Westerner who has had a typical education and regular cultural experience, you would most likely have reacted strongly to only the last example. Some are prone to becoming angry or aggressive. Some physically turn their heads away or raise their arms. Some avert their eyes. Some involuntarily make noise or voice automatic disapproval. The effect is also much more noticeable when this test is done verbally rather than visually. There are certain things that we have been conditioned to believe and defend as a group. We have been conditioned to accept them, not solely on the basis of truth, but on the basis of acceptance within society. This has been done over time throughout your life. You will not be ostracized from society for merely questioning the historical numbers associated with other events. This is a powerful force. It brainwashes you to react instinctively and strongly against certain things. This is, in a sense, hypnotic brainwashing, and it can happen with any number of issues. I think it is important to examine our own biases and find out if we have been programmed to believe certain things. For decades, in the many Western countries, there has been only one historical event that is illegal to question but there are many other areas we could be brainwashed, unquote.
I like that. It's well done. And I think it perfectly exemplifies not just those particular examples and, of course, how some of them are completely ridiculous. Holographic birds, that's, that's outrageous. Same thing with the moon. That's a funny one, too. Uh, but again, it just continues to prove that there are certain things that people just don't want to question because it's too comfortable for them to just believe what they've been told and believe what they've seen, in particular, if they've seen it from childhood growing up and then all the way through their teenage years, 20s, 30s, 40s, and so on and so on. They don't want to believe that they've believed a lie for a very long time, including, I might add, the word Nazi. You'll, hear, you'll, you'll completely understand how the word Nazi gets used on a constant basis, and yet they don't know what the word actually means. The word Nazi is a derogatory term that was created by a, a, a Marxist who happened to be Jewish back in the time of Adolf Hitler for the purpose of, again, making fun of national socialists. That's where the word Nazi comes from. The word Nazi does not mean national socialist, and Germans themselves back then didn't refer to themselves as Nazis. It's actually short for the word Ignaz, which means unknowing. And the word actually was created by Conrad Haydn, who was a, uh, a journalist. He was a Jewish-German journalist who was both a journalist and a historian of the Weimar Republic. And he did not like the National Socialists that, of course, got rid of the Weimar Republic, which was the degenerate faction of, uh, of Germany back before Adolf Hitler. So there you go. Again, it's not just events, dates, and numbers that are manipulated, it's words. It's word usage. But again, people don't think, unfortunately. And they believe what they hear, and they believe what they see, and that's good enough for them. Because again, that's where it's comfortable for them. That's why they call it a comfortable delusion. Because it's comfortable. It's more comfortable to be delusional. And to just believe again what they read and what they are told. And that's sad because it's, uh, it's always had a negative impact on society. And we've seen it now, of course, with not just education, but what people are willing to fall for when it comes to the medical industry. But I want to finish with this, another positive note here. And then again, this is an anonymous post. I agree with it. A nice little quick history lesson. And I think just more proof that we are winning. As, as awful as what we are experiencing, there are good guys within endless organizations who want to see us survive. We, of course, want to survive and, and flourish and, uh, and come out of all of this much stronger so that hopefully we can teach an accurate history to the next generation. It's titled The Purpose Behind Clown World. And this was from back on June 1st. And it was on one of the Chan boards. It says the following, quote, We are living through a controlled recreation of the transition from the Roman Republic to the Roman Empire. Anyone that has studied the history of empires over recorded history knows that they follow a predictable trajectory. Growth through production and industrialization financed by debt. Peak around a financial bubble and growing wealth gap, and then a downtrend predicted on translating, on transitioning rather, away from a gold standard 
involving growing inflation and social unrest. It then says, quote, All empires follow this path, and at each precipice, there is a changing of the guard that is finalized through war to determine the new global leader and holder of the reserve currency. The powers that be in the West are not stupid and know this. If we do nothing, China is posed to be the new global leader. This great reset, quote-unquote, is sold to the masses as a leftist takeover, and many eat it up. But look at what it's actually doing. Every day, millions of people are awakened to the intentional destruction of our way of life by these new global leaders. This is being done on purpose. But not to transition us into a new left-wing government. It's to destroy the left-wing political power absolutely. The intended end result of this will be a great reset, yes, but it will be a right-wing resurgence, the complete destruction of the Democrat and liberal parties in the West, and a move away from democracy into new American empire. This is being done because it has to be done. It may take a while. The transition from Julius Caesar's Roman Republic to Augustus's Roman Empire took almost two decades, but it will be done and it will be glorious. Unquote. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I'll catch you on Wednesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.